I'm not a boom. I'm pretty boomer tech with everything. <laughs> so I have to kind of trial and error and click a bunch of buttons, and then when it works, it works. I don't really understand how I made it work a lot of times, but as long as it does, that's the <laughs> that's as long, that's what matters, I guess. But we're here tonight, finally, after my boomer tech. I don't really understand how I made it issues, work computer issues, and uh, ignorance. I'm here with classical learner bear, uh, Brett Pike. Um, he's an author, <laughs> homeschool network creator. We're going to get into that. And just a all-around generally good father. And um, you can find him, I guess, at Instagram. His, his handle is Classical Learner Today. On Twitter, it's Classic Learner. Um, classiclearner.com. And then direct.me slash classical learner for all the links and all the stuff. And yeah, welcome in. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I was looking forward to this. <laughs> Love it. Well, first, I wanted to start off with um, just simply, can you share your story, your life story, and like your testimony with just me and everyone watching and listening? Yeah. You know, I pretty much floated through life school too seriously until about maybe my junior, senior year of college because I was like, Oh shoot! I'm about to I'm about to be in the real world. I better you know learn something. So I wound up getting my bachelor's in history education. Uh, got right into the field of education after graduation. I was like, all right, what am I going to do? Go back for my master's degree. And by that time, I was taking school really seriously. And um, I went to Queens College. I got my master's degree in uh, birth to two special education. I with your model student, I had completely changed my ways. I got a 4.0 GPA. I won the award for the number one student in the program. And after all of that, you know, being in the field of education and getting a bachelor's degree in history and a master's degree in special education, I looked at myself and said, man, I don't feel like I know much. And <laughs> everything I'm seeing about this system is terrible and you know i started coming across some great thinkers like uh, richard grove and his tragedy and hope um podcast and um that took me to john taylor gatto who wrote amazing books like dumbing us down weapons of mass instruction and i really started to look critically at the schooling system and how it wasn't preparing children for success in life but it was making them a really corporate button pushers who um, not only don't question authority, but almost have a wall around their brain in which they don't allow themselves to even dare to look outside of what authority is thinking. And I, I knew at that time I wanted to go a different route. So um, I wound up starting, uh, I, I got into homeschooling and I, I wound up starting Classical Learner, which is um, a company that assists families in setting up their homeschools. And for about two years, I was doing one-on-one -on -one parent consultations, helping them set up their homeschools, uh, teaching them my personal philosophy of how they should educate their children. And we can get into that. And um, I just took it from there about um, a month and a half ago, I released Homeschools Connected, which is a private homeschooling community that makes finding resources, finding curriculum and getting direction of where you want your child's education to go very easy and i've been doing that and i um i couldn't be happier so I, I hope that's a good synopsis yeah that's awesome 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, I kind of did the same thing, but I dropped out. I realized a little sooner than you did that, uh, like, the college education. I was a history major, and then I switched to philosophy. So I was like, I'm going to get real smart and learn all these smarty things. And then after, like, three years, I'm like, these teachers don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> and it's literally just, I mean, I'm in philosophy classes where it's like, memorize something. And I'm like, we're supposed to not be doing that. <laughs> the whole point of that is to, like, make us critical thinkers, free thinkers, explorers, you know, so, like, the true sense of science, like, come up with hypotheses and test them, you know. And it was like, no, you're wrong. Here's a test. You know, multiple choice. There's one right answer. Make sure it's right. Otherwise, you fail. And I was like, I'm not paying for this, you know. Um, and I think most people, if they start to do, like, really think critically about that route in life, kind of come to that same conclusion. And I'm kind of glad that it only lasted, like, two and a half years because <laughs> I only had that much debt. Um, you could make the argument, though, that if you finish, you have the degree and that could maybe potentially get you a better job or something and, like, get you some, some higher income doing something. But just in general, like, you're just racking up debt, um, you know, be basically becoming a skilled memorizer instead of, like, a skilled critical thinker, instead of, like, a valuable thinker. Um, so, yeah, that's great. Except you've actually taken – you see, I, I'm just, like, I, I left that whole world entirely, and I'm, like, I'm just going to go build stuff. I'm going to go <laughs> create stuff, you know. And I like that you've taken kind of the, the opposite route of, like, you're continuing in that route. You're like, I'm going to learn and I'm going to be a teacher, but I'm going to do it in the right way. Like I'm actually going to teach my kids and teach other kids like useful skills, valuable skills. And I like that, that phrase you had of like, like using like the philosophy, like your education philosophy, um, if you want to get into that. But then just that idea of like getting kids to think, like I think you've mentioned it and you, you, you post a lot about it, but you think, get kids to think entrepreneurially, if that's the right word. <laughs> Um, you get their minds to think like, how do I create value in this world and not just being robots that, you know, have input output skills. Um, but yeah, education philosophy. I like that word. Can you explain that? Like, what is your philosophy of, of the way your system is or what just the way you are um, in education or educating? Yeah, well, everything the public school system does is wrong as the example you gave right philosophy teachers who are telling you to memory these people to memorize these people are like living breathing memes i mean their <laughs> their life is a complete and utter joke and if they did any semblance of philosophy they would reflect in the mirror and realize they had to do something else um which is what i did and i came up with my own personal educational philosophy which is rooted um, around John Taylor Gatto and with a twist of um, my own life experience and the other reading that I've done. But, you know, basically, Gatto had, um, got, John Taylor Gatto was the New York City Teacher of the Year in 1988, 1989, 1990, and he quit abruptly, right? And um, after he quit, he took out a one page article in New York Times and explained that he couldn't do what he had been doing to children any longer that the school system is fundamentally is fundamentally flawed from the base level down that most people think it's a failure right like oh the school system oh they struggle to teach math they struggle to teach science right the grades are down but what he talked about is what the school system doesn't struggle to do because from another perspective the school system is great 
at getting children to know their place, right? You raise your hand to go to the bathroom. The school system is great at teaching children to outsource their thinking to authority. You don't do philosophy, you memorize philosophy. You don't read primary documents and form your own unique understanding of history. You're told that this is what happened on this date and um, these were the important historical figures and this was the role they played. And if you can repeat that back, well now you know history. No, you don't know history, you memorized it. <laughs> yeah. no, you have to go through the primary documents for yourself, read the writings of people on both sides of conflicts, no matter how controversial that might be, right? People say, oh, well, you know, this is what happened in the American Revolution. Well, have you ever read the primary writings of King George? No, what do you mean? What do you mean, what do I mean? Hmm. How could you understand history? if you're only reading the story written by the victors, right? And yeah. that plays for everything. So when you educate a child, the primary objective should be to raise a free, independent, critical thinker. And the way you do that is by allowing them to think, allowing them to experience life. So when they study history, you let them read the documents, and form their own unique theories. When um, they study science, you allow them to do the actual experiments, right? The scientific method, um, the way Leonardo da Vinci would, right? The way the great scientific minds throughout all human history have. They didn't grow up memorizing science, they grew up doing science. And then in terms of the entrepreneurial stuff, I always tell parents that you want to teach skills over subject matter, not that subjects don't matter. So what does that mean? You want to teach math, you want to teach science, you want to teach history, but the people that are freest in this world, the people that don't rely on anyone else, are the people who have skills, right? Because the government could say this is unessential and that's unessential, but if you could fix the toilet, the woman down the block will always give you a job, right? Yeah. And if you are a chef and you're very talented and you have business experience you could start a small restaurant and there's so many different things that you can do if you know photography you can market yourself as an event photographer or um, a photographer that takes pictures of little babies after they're born right and people will hire you and you could always earn a living but you could only do that when you have skills and then you have the confidence to know that you can do business things so that's why um, you, for example, photography, if you have a young child and you teach him photography, when he's 10, 11, 12 years old, you can already guide him to start doing that type of thing where maybe he offers his services um, at the local prom, right? Or to individual families and says, I'll take the photos of your prom night or I'll take the photos of your newborn. And people, um, they like that stuff from children. They say, oh, that's exciting. Um, look at what this child is doing. Yeah, I'll hire you. I'll give you a chance. And when you do that, you teach children to think entrepreneurially. You show them that their skills have value and you raise free people. So that's, you know, that's basically what I preach. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, do you want to, like, what is Homeschools Connected? Yeah, so I had been doing two years of parent one-on-one um, -on -one parent consultations where I was setting up their homeschools and within those two years 
I had done an absurd amount of curriculum research, right? And not just curriculum in what you would think like, oh, do you want to use classical conversations, Alpha Omega? These are homeschool curriculums, very popular ones. Um, but beyond that, so if your child is interested in construction, what I would do is find all of the resources available designed to teach children of this age and that age basic carpentry, right, or woodwork. And, you know, I'd start at the beginner level resources and then I would find intermediate level resources all the way to like college level advanced resources. Um, so over time, I had accumulated uh, quite a Rolodex, if you will, of very valuable information. And this is like all topics, like I bought up photography, um, but teaching children engineering, videography, um, STEM, cooking, baking, just um, anything you could think of, chess. There are resources for everything. And because I had worked with so many families, I had put all these resources together. So finally I said, okay, I want to take this to the next level. So I built out a Discord, um, which is essentially just an app, right? So basically I built out an app that clearly organizes all of the different curriculums, all of the different resources by category so that whatever you're looking for, you can go right into my app and you can say, okay, we're going to teach little Johnny construction. Okay. Um, we're going to teach little Johnny engineering. Okay. We're going to teach little Johnny architecture, right? That's a cool one that um, people don't even realize you could teach young children, yeah. but there are homeschool curriculums designed to teach just that. And I've found them. Um, so I have it set up where it's easy to find the resources that you need. And then within that, I also have state groups, which um, as more and more people join my platform, people will be able to start connecting with other homeschool families in their area. And my goal is for eventually um, for families to have meetups, right? To meet on my app um, and form their own homeschool co-ops of like-minded people who are interested in a better education for their children. So, I mean, that's basically the summation of it. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of positive feedback from it and we're doing some really cool things. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. And it's like, yeah. Well, um, do you want to first kind of explain um, where people can find it? Yeah. How so can... uh, you could go to www.classicallearner.com. That's classicallearner.com. And it's, um, you'll see Homeschools Connected. You'll see a bunch of things. Homeschools Connected. You'll see my books, the Cubs to Bears series, which is another thing I'm very passionate about. Um, and if you go through my website, you'll see on the bottom of the page, it says there's a, a discount code, um, Connect. So it's $10 a month. Uh, you can cancel at any time. But what I'm finding is once people get in there, they see what it's all about and they really like it. So. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that you're like doing something about it. Um, I mean, the bears are all about that, right? It's like kind of enough, enough complaining. Like, yeah, the world sucks, right? Yeah, the education system sucks. But what are you going to do about it? And like, you don't have to re reinvent the wheel. You don't have to like fix the mess. <laughs> you don't have to like, you know, stop Babylon from crumbling or build your own Babylon. But like, just what are you doing? Like, what are you as a person and like in your family and in your community doing about it? And you're doing that. 
and you've done it amazing. I mean, from from a distance, I can see you're, you know you're raising a happy, healthy family, and educating them well, and inspiring them and encouraging them well. And now it's like now that I have that foundation firmly planted, and I'm acting on that. Now I can share that out outward. I can help other people do that. You know, I can be the, the inspiration and the motivation for other people to take that same step. So that's awesome. That's amazing. I love that. Um, I wanted to ask too, um, I guess like, so what would, what would you say to critics who claim that homeschooled children are not properly socialized? Like that's a big criticism of like homeschooling, right? Is like, I don't want to homeschool my kids cause like they're not going to be properly socialized. They're not going to develop people skills cause they're not going to be around a lot of other children. Like, what would you say to that? Yeah, well, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want my child to grow up thinking that basic human interaction will kill grandma. Oh wait, oh wait, That's what happens in public school, right? Yeah, because you public school and they're told they have to stay six feet apart from each other and they have to wear a mask and they can't hug and they can't play and they can't roughhouse because if they do, they're gonna go home and grandma might grandma might die. I mean, could you imagine yeah. uh, to? a generation of children and the psychology that they're going to grow up with. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I spoke with a mother the other day that I had met who just pulled her child out of school. Um, she was a white woman married to a black man in the military and she sent her child to school and her teacher taught this young child that the mother's side of her family, this is what the teacher told her, the mother's side of your family, is responsible for slavery and they were slave owners and if that's bad enough that you should identify as black and you should hang out with black people more than white people <laughs> yeah. but as you said you know it's one thing to tear down babylon right and that whole rant i just went on tears down babylon but homeschooling is so much more than that because these children aren't like people have this perception that haven't done it, that these children are basically getting educated in the same way that they do in public school, right? Like you wake up and at 8 a.m. you will sit and study math for 45 minutes. And at, at age 50, you will study science for 45 minutes, right? Like that bullcrap schedule when homeschool is the complete opposite of that. It homeschool is life school. My child is three years old and um, a day doesn't go by in which we're not at a park meeting other children. We're not at the aquarium. We're not at restaurants. We're not in town. We're not at our local church where they have all these groups and he's playing with all these children. He's going to music classes at his local church. I, I meet fa um, homeschool families constantly, especially it's so easy these days. I mean, this week alone, I met three separate homeschool families just going around town and you know, if socialization is a priority, then socialization is not a problem. So I got their numbers yeah. and we're already setting up play dates. My son has play dates all the time. Um, he's done Brazilian jiu-jitsu before I moved from New York to North Carolina. I spoke to him today. He wants to get back into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. When he turns yeah. four years old, I'm signing him up for a local soccer team. So this myth, this notion that homeschool children are somehow unsocialized is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Pretty much every family, every military family in the United States of America homeschools. What do you think? All of their children aren't socialized? Just ridiculous. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Yeah, you were talking about it on um, when you were on Hanging with Bears a couple weeks ago about your move to North Carolina and how like networking is so important, like in general, but then also like when you're moving, like now you have to like kind of reestablish friendships and churches and, you know, the groups that you're involved with, the jujitsu gyms you're going to, uh, the churches you're going to, the parks you're going to. I don't. I want to ask you to repeat your stories, but how has the networking been going, and how crucial do you believe that is? Uh, the network's been going great, and I, like I said, just this week, I've met three homeschool families, and we're already setting up play dates. So, it's really not hard to get out into the world and meet people, but you have to do it. I think the story you're referring to that I was talking about a hang with bears is I had gone to an ice cream shop with my wife, my son and my, my little infant daughter. And I had eaten dinner there. And then during dinner, I actually started speaking with um, the owner, right? They had like sandwiches and ice cream. So during dinner, I started speaking with the owner and she brought her husband over and I was, um, she was telling me about these stories she does. She says, Oh yeah, we have, um, kid parties where the children come and they get ice cream and I read them these books that I've written and she started reading me these books and they were phenomenal I honestly thought I think she's a better writer than me which if you have read my, <laughs> read my I'm not going to say I'm the best writer but I'm pretty good yeah. um, she was phenomenal so I said oh you know are these published and she said well no I didn't know how to do that and I started teaching her all about the process of publishing books and I gave her my number I said this is an older woman probably uh, probably in her 70s and I told her don't worry about it just give me a call and I'll walk you through step by step the whole process everything you need and we'll get your books published right and um, she gave me her number I took um, she took my number and after dinner we ordered ice cream right for my uh, for myself my wife and my boy and uh, we wound up paying for none of the ice cream and um, you know, that's just, that's networking. And now I have a lifelong, right? Cause I, I put out an olive branch and I did something nice for this woman. Yeah. And now I have an ally in this world, right? And my son is free, but for example, if he was 12 years old and I called her up now and said, hey, you know, my son needs a job. Well, what do you think she's going to say? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can he start on Monday? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll take good care of him, you know? And that's, yeah. and that's what it is. And it's with everything that we do. Um, people think the only currency, right? We're conditioned and I, I've been guilty of this, right? But we're conditioned from the time we are little to think that money is the only currency, but yeah. family is currency and family is wealth and community yeah. is currency. And, doing people favors and doing things for people is currency because anyone knows when someone does um, something nice for you, right? I know in my life, when someone does something nice for me, I, you know, I decide right there in my mind, like, man, if this guy ever needs me, I'm going to make sure I step up. And that's true of most people. So there are many forms of currency and um, it's really, that's what they don't want us to know because the more we build community, and take personal responsibility and homeschool our children and get out of debt and grow our own food and have in-group preference and start our own businesses. The more we do these things, the harder it is for them to control us and the more free we become. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah, the true wealth of the world. <laughs> true wealth. Not just temporary things and stuff. You know, children are, uh, you know, you are, you are the children of someone. And your children are the children of you and their children. You know, that, that lineage is so valuable. Um, you know, it's like you can't even put a, a number on it. You can't put a currency onto it. It's so valuable. Um, but we kind of overlook that. <laughs> not we, not me and you, but the royal we. Like our society overlooks that and kind of seeks the temporary stuff. Uh, and like you say, it's just been trained. It's been ingrained in our brains because we just are trained to believe that way. We're trained to believe that a big house and social status and temporary pleasures are kind of the point of life and not what's actually meaningful, like, which is life itself. <laughs> Your life where you came from and where life um, is going to be after you're gone from this temporary place. I love that. Um, the Bible is so true. And like, you are your fruit, and yeah. that has many meanings. You are your children, and the men that you raise, the men and women that you raise. Um, you are the way you live your life, your relationships, what you build. Like the problem we see with so many of these personalities, I'll call them, right? These outrage machines is they like to point out all the problems in the world, and like they have these major platforms, but they don't look at their following their their herd and show them that they can build something right like they spent years talking about how outrageous twitter was right but no one built a twitter alternative well except andrew turbo and what he's doing over at gab but how many people yeah. actually yeah right and yeah people love to point at all the problems and look at Look, it's the liberals. Look, it's the neocons. But the liberals and the neocons have a plan. And the liberals and the neocons are building. So if they're pursuing a plan and they're building, and the only thing we are doing is complaining, well, who do you think is going to win? So right. you have to build. Right, yeah. And we are. <laughs> we are. It's just not being televised. I think oh, that, yeah, like... Right. You know, the bears and then outward. I mean, even outside of our community, um, it is happening. But you're not hearing about it, you know? And if you are hearing about it, they get censored. They get canceled. If people are advocating to have big, strong families and return to God and reject evil, reject Babylon, um, you know, they're, they're silenced, they're censored, they're pushed aside. You know, those are the people that go to Gap. Those are the people that go to... Bertaria Times app or, or uh, Social Galactic or whatever, the fringes of the social media, if you will. Um, but it's happening. Like, the crush is happening. It's just not being televised. Um, but that's kind of beautiful <laughs> because it is happening. And, like, you're, you, like, every one of us plays a little bit of a part in it, you know? Um, we just need to keep doing that. I think the big problem, the big enemy that we face like me you people like us bears bear adjacents whatever groipers all those different groups or whatever um the big problem is demoralize like we get to what we, we see we tend to be like this we, we tend to get this feeling of hopelessness because we're like we're not seeing the crush right <laughs> we're not like where you log on to twitter and no one's crushing you know you go on to instagram and no one's really crushing you go on Facebook, no one's crushing until you find a group like the Bears. And then you're like, whoa, whoa, these guys are crushing. You know, <laughs> here's a big group of legends. You know, let me add them. Let me let me connect with them. 
So when you kind of tap into your little niche community and you see that, that's when hope gets reinstilled. But I think in general, overall, like people that are crushing can tend tend to lose hope because they don't see it in their communities. They don't see it in their neighborhoods. They don't see it in their churches or in their Bible study groups or at their job or within their families, you know, but then they get tapped into some kind of community like the bears and it's just like, whoa. And then there's a spark, then it's inspiration, then there's a fire lit and then the crushing doubles and multiplies. Um, and what you're doing, like the, what you're doing with this networking is going to, I mean, help that, help stoke that fire. Not in, not only in you, not only in people participating, but outwards, like that ripple effect is hope it's just hope you know rippling out throughout the world but it can be tough when you're not seeing it you know when you're not seeing the results like quantified on twitter or quantified on instagram or whatever um but it is happening yeah i like how you started that entire rant or whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah my ramblings <laughs> ramble with um the word moralize right? Demoralize. Um, think about the word, right? People become demoralized, moral, right? Yeah. They lose their morality. Yeah. And that's when you lose your hope and that's when you get conquered. And the closer we as a people, like a few years ago, I don't know if I was an atheist, but I was, I was basically an atheist, right? And I really found God or God reached out to me and to the point where I am in my life where God is the factor in everything that I do, that all of my decisions, I run through God, that what is moral, what is right, what is the path that Jesus walked? And if you think about it in terms of everything that happened has happened since March of 2020, um, you really see why, why reality is the most important thing because people are afraid, right? They don't fear God only yeah. and they fear Babylon and they're told that stay in your house or you're going to die. Um, make your neighbor wear a mask, right? Or you're going to die. And these people just succumb to all this fear. Um, your job's not essential. Your neighbor's not allowed to work because you have to protect yourself. Right. And then people are desperate. Um, wear the mask or you lose your job. Well, if you lose your job, then you can't pay your bills and you're in debt. And because you're in debt, well, now you're going to lose your home, right? And your children aren't going to be able to eat and your family's going to be out in the street. But the entire path of Jesus, the entire story of Jesus is a living example of how you defeat that all. Because if you get out of debt, right? And you live within your means and usury is like the worst sin in the Bible. So you get out of debt and you live within your means and you grow your own food and you are your fruit and you work with your hands and um, you bring value into the world, right? Then all of these threats, right? Like you better get your shot, you better put on your mask. They don't hold power over you. But instead people are um, so detached from that morality. They sit in their houses, they watch porn three times a day. They um, have a gigantic house, two cars, a boat, and $500,000 in debt. And then when all of this stuff happens, they're just fear machines. Yeah. And all they have to do is get back to morality, right? 
Don't be demoralized. Be moralized, and everything gets better. Yeah, so well said. Yeah, so well said. And that's the battle. Like the battle is spiritual. The battle is good versus evil, and evil seeks to demoralize us. Like we have victory in the end. We have victory with with Christ. You know, the problem is evil demoralizes you into forgetting that, or you know, questioning that, doubting that, and then you start to drift away. And like you said, demoralized in and of itself is just losing your morality, losing your faith, losing your righteousness. Um, that's why hope is so important. And that's why the fear not phrase, you know, that's repeated 360 times in the Bible is so crucial. Like, don't have fear. You're going to lose your righteousness. You're going to lose, you're going to be led astray from your walk with God if you start living in the here and now and you start losing your morality. Um, and that's truly the battle we fight almost every day um yeah <laughs> yeah well we'll get into it i had a question um for you a couple questions are are do you have fear do i have fear <laughs> like might as well get into it since we're kind of talking about it i mean I'm terror. I'm terrified of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's smart, man. I wish Adam and Eve were. You know, I wish the first. <laughs> I wish super, super duper great grandparents were uh, also had that healthy fear. <laughs> Here's what I'll tell you. I don't wish to die. I very much like living, but I am content with dying, and I do mean that. Um, I believe in God and my only fear around that type of thing, right? And that's why I don't let a virus scare me is the only fear that I have is that I wouldn't be here to protect my family. But even within that, I do believe that God would protect my family. Right. Um, and you know, 18 months ago I was in debt right? I had a big mortgage. I was living in New York. Um, my business wasn't as far along as it is now. Um, I wasn't growing my own food and I lived in New York and I, right. So it would have been very easy for me when the pandemic hit to, um, for me to be very negatively impacted, but I had found God and I had found a great community, the bear community as I love my bears. And when the pandemic hit, I didn't have a fear response. It just heightened my senses that I knew that I had to follow that path. And I sold my house and I moved my family across the country. And of course, right as I did that, my business really um, started to pick up and now I'm not in debt. I am able to grow my own food. I just got here, so I'm just getting started, but I could grow my own food. Um, I have a business. I've been building communities, meeting people left and right. And I know people think it's a scary world out there, but in terms of like that type of fear, I'm, I'm really not afraid of the beast. I'm not afraid. I don't, I don't sit around. I don't think the government's coming for me because I don't think they can touch me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, I am afraid of the spider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spider was on. All right, <laughs> that would have been a hilarious, hilarious scene if I was like, "I'm not afraid." Like, ah! And then you're just screaming like a little girl, yeah. 
Yeah. If that was a Black Widow, you would have saw the fear in me. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about anger? Do you have anger? Um, no, no. I really, I'm really not affected by that world. Um, I'm very comfortable in my life, and um, I feel that I position my family very well. I feel that I am so blessed. One of the most powerful things a person can do is every night before bed, I talk to God about what I'm grateful for. Yeah, and absolutely. I have a beautiful wife who is so committed to me and so committed to our family and who really has allowed me to lead us. And she's really taken leaps of faith um, you know, when the whole pandemic started, right, and people were in a state of fear, we were a little into the pandemic, and I looked at my wife and I said, let's have a baby. And she looked at me without hesitation, right? It would have been easy to let the fear of the world or what's happening in the world say, I don't know about that, yeah. none of that. I looked at my wife, I said, I want to have a baby. And she looked without hesitation with a, a very great look in her eyes. <laughs> and we had a baby. And... Oh, keep it PG. Keep it PG for the podcast. (laughs) Well, that's good stuff because anyone out there who thinks that they should embrace hookup culture, they do not know what they're missing because there's nothing better in this world. Um, I would rather have... um, I would rather have one woman a thousand ways than a thousand women one way. And um, my wife is amazing and she... I looked at her. I said, let's have a baby. And we got... She got pregnant... And I looked at her, I said, okay, well, now it's time to sell our house, right? These are big life changes. I said, we're going to move a country. And uh, she looked at me and she trusted in me, right? And we moved across the country and now I'm situated so well. And I have my beautiful children who, I mean, you could just see the light of God in their eyes time I see them. And uh, so blessed and I have a business and... Um, my in-laws came down to the state with me and, um, I've met so many nice people here and I have so many blessings and so much to be thankful for that. Yes, things are going to go wrong in life, but if you walk the path and trust in God, then you are walking the path you're supposed to walk. And even if you think that's not going well for you, and I think with Owen, you could elaborate on that with Owen, we've seen that, um, that you're actually walking the path that your soul is supposed to go down. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> um, what is a man? What is a man? <laughs> a man always puts the people in his life before him. A man has to have his convictions, right? My morality, um, comes from following Jesus, but I also respect people who um, practice other faiths, right? Like there are Muslims, right? I would say a Muslim man, his morality then comes from following Muhammad, right? And Allah, who is the same God as the Christian God, which many Christians aren't aware of. Um, but I've read the Quran. It's a beautiful book, um, right? So there, there are many different religions, but a man... Um, 
has his line in the sand and his morality, and then he lives his life in service of his family, of his community, and of God. In my, um, and that's like why I've structured my life work where I, I mean, my life is my family, right? My, my work is homeschooling and I try to spread the light throughout the world and I try to spread the word of God and I try to spread, um, personal responsibility, rugged individualism within Christian community or whatever community you have, right? So everything I try to do is um, in service of either God, my family, my community, my nation, my country. So I, I guess my answer would be that a man, being a man, is living a life of service. That's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Write that down, Webster's Dictionary, because that's what that, <laughs> that is a man. Uh, well, also, what is a woman? What is a woman? So that's tough because yep. as a man, you think about what you're supposed to do. You like you, you know, you really think about like what am I supposed to be doing? What am I failing at? What am I succeeding at? So that's kind of easier to answer. But when it comes to the opposite, it's like what is that? I don't know if we spend a lot of time focusing on that. You know, it's so funny because I guess people haven't asked me these questions, and you're getting me to think about them. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, a woman. Um, some ways different but in a lot of ways it's the same right that in my cosmology right what i believe in is that i follow god right my wife follows me and that the children follow my wife but my wife is amazing and she from the time she wakes up after usually not sleeping right because she stays up to make sure that um my three-month-old has milk right so she has to get up a couple times a night and they don't always go right back to bed and she wakes up in the morning and if I'm not able to make, I try to make breakfast to help her out, but if I'm not able to make breakfast for her that day, she's getting breakfast ready for myself and the children. And she is taking care of the children and she's homeschooling them and she's supporting me as I do um, the things that I have to do to try to make sure that we have money and to make sure that we're, you know, well off and, you know, comfortable. Um, so in a lot of ways, her life is defined by service as well. And I, I guess that's because we're all in service to God, but she does it in a more nurturing way, right? A woman is nurturing. A woman is feminine. A woman is loving. She's supportive. She is strong, right? My wife is strong. I mean, I hate the fool that would want to mess with her, but um, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's what, my answer would be, but uh, I don't know. What do you think a woman is? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think a man is a leader. Um, a man is a leader and a woman is led. And they have to be led by the, the, the man. And I love that Jim Bob quote. I don't know if it was originally his, but I know everyone kind of attributes it to him, which is like, when men try to play God, women will play men. And you kind of you kind of touched on that, like the order, like the proper order, which is God over man, man over woman, women over children. And when that order is broken, when there's no looking up <laughs> correctly, when people start looking sideways or down, and when they try to elevate themselves above where they're supposed to be in that order, um, just chaos and destruction reigns. And 
I think a man is first and foremost someone who believes in God and loves God with all his heart, soul, and might. Um, I don't think a man can be a man without that. You can be a male. You can <laughs> you can be born. You can be a physical living being that is a male, but you're not going to be a man until you actually truly give your give your life and your soul over to God, your Creator. And I love that word service. I always use the word obedience, but I love service. It's, be, it's probably a, a better overall word to use for that. When you give your services to God in all his right ways and you focus all of your strength and soul and energy and time on being a kingdom builder, I think that is a man. And by default, you're a leader. And by default, that means you have responsibilities, whether you like it or not, over the people under you in that chain, which is your woman and your children. And as a woman, I think a woman also needs to be a leader to the children, but she also needs to be a follower of the man. So as the man provides and protects and guides and leads, the woman needs to follow and she needs to nurture and, you know, caress and love. And like you said, those kind of descriptive words you gave, um, a woman needs to be that for her children. And she also needs to be a follower of her man. The problem, <laughs> the big problem we have in society today, I think, is because is that men have abandoned their responsibilities as leaders. Men don't want to serve overall and so by default that leaves these women who have this natural instinct to be led they now have to turn into leaders and it's not a role that suits them um that's why we're seeing so much chaos and destruction and this like toxic femininity or whatever you want to call it the I forget the phrase owen used but he uses the, he uses a good word for like this extreme feminism that's kind of taken over society and that's just by default because men overall have abandoned their responsibility as leaders and as like you said They've abandoned their job, their duty to serve. Um, they want to be serviced without <laughs> actually serving God and actually serving, you know, and doing the responsibilities. But yeah, I think a woman's role is to be at times a leader, at times, you know, serving. But first and foremost, she needs to be led by a righteous man. But I just don't blame them anymore. I used to get mad at him and angry at him and bitter at him or whatever. And now I'm just seeing the reality, which is men have abandoned their roles. And so, of course, the women are going to react to that. The women are going to, like, adapt and evolve in their environment. And it's the men's job to provide a good, stable, functioning environment for them to thrive in. And we're not doing that. So that's a lot of what I do on my podcast. It's a lot of what Owen does, Jesse Lee Peterson. There's a lot of people out there whose focus is like rebuilding men. Like, let's get this together. We need to we need to start with ourselves. Stop pointing at other people. Stop complaining about women and get our stuff together. And by default, that will help lead women in the right direction. But it has to start with us. Um, I feel like I want to go on a rant now for like 50 minutes, but I won't. <laughs> I'll no, spare you. <laughs> Because I want to ask you, um, what is a Christian? Yeah, well, I mean, modern man stopped following. Well, not I would say modern man, but so many men stopped following God and they worship porn, football, and alcohol. And yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. our society, our America at the moment is controlled by the authoritarian feminine. Right. And that's what you said last year. Um, right. Oh, no, there's something out there that's a threat. Well, the authoritarian feminine says, all right, well, 
no one will work. Everyone will stay home because we just have to make sure that everyone's okay. Don't worry about freedom. Don't worry about the Constitution, um, the Bill of Rights, all of those things that Americans stand up. I'm proud to be an American. Those people died for me. But I'm not willing to leave my house without a mask in order to be. <laughs> but uh, what is. <laughs> That's awesome. I just ripped that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, record that. Give that to Anchor Bear and let's see some magic happen. Yeah. <laughs> collab, collab with Anchor Bear. <laughs> I'm gonna, that was a great moment for me. I'm going to clip that and TikTok it. <laughs> Love that. Um, what, is, what does it mean to be a Christian? That was your question? What yeah. does it mean to be a Christian? Um, so to me, being a Christian is attempting to follow the path of Jesus. Right? I don't think we're supposed to worship Jesus. We worship God, right? God the Father. But to be Christian, you have to follow Jesus. And again, like harping back on that service thing, right? When the apostles attempted to um, worship Jesus, right? He wanted their lasting image of him to be him down on his knees, cleaning their feet. Because yep. he was telling them that you have to live a life in service, yep. right? In service of God, in service of others. And to me, being a Christian is trying to walk that path. And it's um, living a moral life, following the word of God, um, trying to remove sin from your life as best you can. And although that might not be possible to do completely, you have to get better at it every day. So like examples in my life, I brought up the porn. I haven't watched pornography in, I, mean, I don't know exactly how long, but it got to be around two years. And I haven't had a sip of alcohol in uh, maybe since March of 2020. And awesome. it's not was an alcoholic um it's just i recognized that excessive drinking was a sin in my life that pornography was a sin in my wife and in my wife in my life and if you look at another woman you might as well um gouge your eyes out and be blind right because if you spend your time watching pornography you don't realize how beautiful your wife is and then when you and your wife are under stress and you're fighting it's easily it's easy to not have sex with each other and to be intimate with each other and to keep that divine closeness that God gave you. But instead, you don't watch pornography and um, you see how beautiful your wife is and you see the stress that she's under and how important that intimacy is to both of you. And you grow stronger as a family. And because of that, children grow up in a better home because you are not blind. Right. And children grow up in an intact home under a father who follows God, under a woman who follows the father and the children can follow their mother. And then those children grow up strong. And because those children grow up strong, right from a strong family. Now they are, they're better off psychologically. They become better citizens, better members of the community. And they themselves just repeat that cycle. So Christianity is about following the path of Jesus as best you can living that life of service and removing sin from your life as best you can. And we all fall. I fall 
constantly. I am such a flawed person. I am fallen, but I work every day to try to better myself. And, and by better myself, I mean to remove that sin from my life. And I talk to God about that every night. And, you know, when I say I talk to God, I mean, I talk to God and I believe God talks back to me. I, I, you know, some people say, what do you mean? I feel tingles in my body and you could call it what you want, but I believe I have a relationship with God. And, um, but I, I talk to God and I, um, explore my inner consciousness and my ego. And why did I do that? What were my intentions behind that? Um, what was going on in my own psychology and my soul? How can I be better and do better next time? And then when you're in that situation next time, right? Now you remembered you had that talk with God and you know God is always present. And like, you know what? I can't do that now. I can't do that, Father. And that is Christianity. <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly following. Truly picking up your cross and carrying it. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you know, singing um, songs, singing songs at church are great. That's you know, that's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't say any, anything wrong with that. But if that's all you're doing, if you're not actually willing to, like you said, serve, um, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're still going to be lost. You're still going to be subject to all that, all the attacks that the enemy is going to throw your way. And when you're truly walking that path, like those attacks it's almost laughable like at times you know when these temptations enter your mind if you truly are living a righteous life and walking towards god on that path um i don't know it's sometimes it's laughable when those temptations come <laughs> or when those thoughts come it's like ah oh, good try satan not today um for me it's much easier because i was like born and raised in sin in evil you know i was not around christians not a christian at all and then God woke me up like about two, three years ago now. And so I know what evil looks like and smells like. So for me, it's kind of easier sometimes to be like, oh, here's another trick. <laughs> here it comes. Here comes Satan. You know, here, here he comes. He's coming for me. Uh, it's a little easier for me to like make that like yes or no decision. Whereas some people I think are just kind of blinded. They've gone through the motions their whole life and it's tough for them to see what they're doing which is drifting away from actually following Christ. They're just singing songs or they're just patting themselves on the back or, you know, they just kind of go through motions and repetitions and all that like legalism and they don't actually follow. And I think that's such a crucial word and a crucial concept to understand. And we're asked many times to follow him, not just confess in him, not just sing songs about him. Um, yeah, those are awesome words. You're a man of beautiful words, too. I wanted to get into this. Um, all of you, like, your memes and <laughs> um, just amazing, like, like phrases that you used on Instagram. I'm just going to read some off that I thought were awesome and profound, and I don't know if you want to comment on them in between, but uh, experience is the world's best teacher. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, that gets back to my educational philosophy, and how you want to educate your child. And what I tell parents is that you want your child to be sovereign and to be free. And one of the best ways to do that is to um, raise them to have an entrepreneurial mindset because then they don't have to rely on a corporate boss that could 
tell them they're fired if they don't wear a mask, if they don't get vaccinated. So yeah. <laughs> how do you do that? Well, you have to get them life experience. So you take whatever they're interested in and you just use that to develop skills. And it could, it could really be anything, like literally anything that's completely obscure you could use to um, create skills. So let's say there's a child who, I don't know, I'll just throw out an example, that's interested in Pokemon, right? Well, how can you possibly develop skills with Pokemon? Well, that's fine. You want to know more about Pokemon? Then what I'd like you to do is to um, build a website completely devoted to um, Pokemon and teaching other people about Pokemon and how you play the card game and make it interactive, right? I want you to learn the coding of it, right? And then from there, once they set up the website, now you say, okay, well, look, you've created this cool thing. Well, how can you market it? How can you monetize it? And you just build one skill after another so that children, no matter what they're doing, um, right? Now you're computer coding with experience with marketing and sales. Right. Yeah. And although they're coding right now, think about what they'll be able to do when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. Right. Yeah. You look at something like Mark Cuban as an example of that. Um, before he became a billionaire. Right. Before he became a billionaire from um, technology, he originally made his first like, um, I don't know, like eight or nine million dollars from a smaller company that he had made that he had completely coded from the start. And then someone was like, hey, I'll buy that for you from you. He sold it for eight or nine million dollars. He took that money, started building something else from scratch with coding, done that one skill and an entrepreneurial mindset, and boom, now he's a billionaire. So no matter, and it doesn't have to be that extreme. Like I've worked with, um, I've worked with an eight-year-old um, child. Well, I didn't work with the child, with his family, who he was interested in cars. So I told him, I said, why would you fight that? And I suggested that he teach the child how to change oil. Um, so we taught the child to change oil. Then they put flyers in the neighbor's um, mailboxes. And a few months later, neighbors were actually hiring him to change their oil. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. So their experience is the best teacher. And all you have to do is get your child some skills, whatever skills you can get them, and then just start guiding them to do these business type things, keep developing more skills and to create that winning abundance mindset. And by the time they're 18, they'll be absolute crushers. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, another one here is a girl learns to be a lady from the example of her mother. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about the models, I guess that's a good word for this the role models that young girls have in today's society, it's really horrible, right? Like these girls <laughs> yeah. taking off their clothes because they want likes on Instagram, right? Yeah. Um, selling themselves in that way. Um, they're pressured to engage in sexuality before they're ready. And all of that can be negated by a mother who, um, has enough respect for herself to carry herself like a lady, yeah. right? And Absolutely. she um, is modest and devoted to one man and teaches her daughter that 
family is the value that um, all those likes and all those hearts, they're superficial, superficial from men on the internet who probably masturbate to you. Right. And that's just the truth. That's gross, but it's the truth that there's much more value in respecting yourself and being a woman. And if you do that, you'll actually have so much more value on the um, open market. If you want to call it that when you become 18, 19 years old, that you'll be able to get the, you know, the top man, so to speak, and you'll live a much better life. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I actually, um, I, there was a, I didn't think any this way at all in high school, but it's interesting looking back. Um, there was a girl I went to high school with who, um, really dropped dead gorgeous, um, drop dead gorgeous girl. And she was always very modest, always very covered up. Um, she never got involved in the hookup culture, like, you know, didn't have boyfriends or, um, hook up with any of the guys. And, um, about two years ago, um, I was speaking with a friend. They're like, oh, did you hear about, I'm not going to use her name, um, but she's married to a billionaire now, wow. right? Yeah. Right. And, you know, where I had come in my life, I go, oh, that wasn't surprising to me. You know, she was this absolutely gorgeous woman who carried herself with absolute respect, who all the guys wanted, but none of them could have. Of course, she sent her market value through the roof. So it doesn't surprise me that that's how she married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Going back to what you're saying, like, like exchanging currency, like her currency wasn't sex and skin. It was modesty. It was virtue. It was, about, it was like actual value, actual wealth, you know, not that temporary attractiveness, <laughs> not the, the sex currency uh, that seems to be the norm these days. Um. Another one awesome here is uh, two awesome ones. A boy is a man in training, which is amazing. That's so simple, but so profound. And then I love the be the man you want your son to be and the man you want your daughter to marry. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I actually had a conversation with my son today, but I have a conversation with him. Um, these conversations all the time that, I'm raising him to be a man. Um, and we were taught today, we were talking about his, um, his little sister who's three months old. He's three. And I said, um, Brady, whose job is it to protect Aubrey? And he said, it's mine. He said, mine. Did I lose you? Oh no, you're back. Did I lose you? Yeah. Yeah, so I said, Brady, whose job is it to protect your three-month-old sister? And he said, it's my job. Um, and then I told him that he has to keep getting bigger and stronger because daddy might not always be here. And when I'm not around, right right now it's my job, but if I'm not around, it's your job to protect mom. It's your job to protect Aubrey and to take care of the family. And that might yeah. sound extreme talking to a three-year-old, but everything I do is mindset. And I want my three-year-old boy to understand that he is a man in training that it's his job to take care of his family and the ladies in his life um, and another thing we talk about all the time is that there are bad people in the world there are threats in the world and that we always make ourselves stronger we always make ourselves tougher this way that we can beat those threats back and we do beat those threats back and 
that's why when he was three, I started him on jujitsu. Um, today we were talking about it in the context of that conversation. I was saying, Brady, you know, you want to start jujitsu again? Um, because we moved and he, he, he's all gung ho about it. He's ready to start and he understands why. And I think that's um, a very important thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Start him early. I mean, get that mindset ingrained that, yeah, there's responsibility awaiting him, <laughs> not on his shoulders right now, but awaiting him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you kind of mentioned it earlier, but I love the, the phrase you used, make it a habit to point out all of the different businesses people own to your children. And just yeah. developing that entrepreneurial business mindset is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not a, a day that goes by in which some type of conversation I don't point out to my son that, oh, look, this guy owns this business. Or, um, you know, today him and my wife uh, made um, not pasta. Uh, not spaghetti. Anyway, they made, for lack of a better term, pasta from scratch. And, um, you know, I was like, wow, Brady, you're such a good cook. You know, you could open a restaurant one day. People will come and pay you money for this food. And just little things like that. I'm always saying to him, my wife is too. And because of that, you know, over time, that's just how he's going to look at the world. Like, oh, look, I could just do this and look at this opportunity. And, yeah. you know, if, if the school system did that, there'd be more entrepreneurs but instead, the school system um, has you, you know, sit in classroom at 45 minute blocks, memorize useless information for 15 to 18 straight years, get no real world experience. And when you come out of it, you realize you don't know how to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then it's too late. I mean, is that, I guess it's not too late, but you've already set yourself back that much, that much. Now you have to reclaim that. And you have a lot more work to do now that you didn't do along the way. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And the last one, little phrase here that I love um, is, if you want to win the future, start by homeschooling your children. <laughs> that's yeah, amazing. Well, if I were, if I were um, the advisor to a dictator or an emperor, right, and I wasn't a moral person, and they brought me in and they said, I need to have control, complete control over the entire population over the next 10 to 20 years. How do I do that? I would tell him that the most effective way to do that would be to force their children into your schools and just indoctrinate them. Yeah. That's how you do it. That's how, that's how you set up a dictatorship. And after one generation, your job will be infinitely easier, infinitely. Well, that's what the American education system is. And while all of these so-called freedom fighters and these conservatives and all these people and like the, these outrage machines um, like to pretend they're fighting the system, they willingly send their children to public school. There's not a peep from them about fighting back by pulling your children out of that system. It's just, oh my God, can you believe, is this America? Is this really America? <laughs> like, well, yeah. it's the America you accept, but not the America I accept. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so profound. Um, and what is unschooling? 
And can you explain what it is and if you recommend it? Yeah, so unschooling is the primary. I mean, I do a mixture of um, unschooling Charlotte Mason and uh, Montessori. I like I like all three, but my primary, I guess, the primary philosophy I operate under is the unschooling, which is basically what I've described here. It's following your child's interest, whatever that might be, and then using that to teach them real world skills. Now, there are unschooling children who um, study science and math all day, but that's because that's what they're really interested in. So like, you know, my son is interested in balloons and kites right now. So um, my wife and I have been showing, we got these uh, those balloons that you see at parties and we've been trying to teach him how to make um, balloon animals out of balloons, like dogs. He's, he's starting to get it. He's three, but you know, he's been working hard at it. Uh, and he just loves it. And to me, that's great because it's a skill, right? Like, what do you mean it's a skill? It's a skill. So if he gets really good at that, I'm fine with that because when he's 10 years old, I'll have him start passing out flyers and offering to um, do balloons at children's birthday parties for three and four year olds. Yeah. Right? So I'll start to teach him marketing. I'll start to teach him sales. I'll start to teach him accounting. He has some success with that. I'll um, start to teach him about getting employees, managing employees, and all the different things that you can do, setting up websites, coding the website, all these things I can teach just through that interest. Now, that interest will change over time, but the point is right now I just follow his interest. I don't fight it. I still teach him math and stuff, but I just do it, you know, um, for example, when he's cooking with my wife, it's just very simple. You're like, oh, um, how many items do you have here? Oh, so what happens if I subtract one? Oh, right, how many pieces of pasta do you have here? Yeah. Oh, five. What happens if I subtract them? Oh, subtract one. Well, now there's four. What happens if I add two? Well, now there's six. And he's three years old and he's figuring this stuff out. Um, so unschooling is, is life school. You follow your child's interest. In my opinion, it's the best form of education and you embed real life lessons, real life skills, real life experience into that education with the objective of raising an 18 year old who is one heck, I don't like the phrase actually, one heaven of a force to be right <laughs> Amen, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and in the chat, thank you everyone in the chat, uh, Wizard Slayer Bear, Son of Acantus, Andrew J, Slap Weasel, yeah, Wizard Slayer Bear, Legends in the chat. Thank you guys. Um, Andrew Chase, so, Slap Weasel. <laughs> yeah, my mods are here. Thank you guys. The um, set of Acanta says ESPN Spelling Bee proves that homeschooling works. <laughs> Which yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That they the Indians do very intense, very intense homeschooling. <laughs> yeah, you will spell every word right, or I disown you. <laughs> well, we talked about it earlier, but it's like that's kind of the thing is like, oh, don't homeschool your kids because they're going to be weird. But every kid I've ever met that's homeschooled is smart. Like not one of them is like an idiot where it's like, oh, that dude's really dumb. That dude can't tie his shoes. You know, that dude couldn't, you know, when, when you're in college and you run into a homeschool person, it's not like, oh, this person's dropping out of college because he's so stupid or so lazy. 
I mean, every time I met a homeschool person, they're either they're smart, they're motivated, they work hard, they're just quote unquote weird, and that's not even all of them, you know. And if anything, what <laughs> why does that matter, you know? Why do you have to be social? I mean, I guess that's a skill to have in our in our current society is social as we we live in a social civilization. But in general, isn't it better to be smart, wise, righteous, <laughs> you know, knowing God, trusting yourself, being wise in all his ways? Um, to me, those are skills, better skills to have um, that comes with not being programmed and plugged into the eight hour a day public school system. Um, yeah, my girlfriend's in the chats. He says, do you want to tell classical learner how many kids we want? And yeah, it's about eight. Uh, the number keeps changing, but I want, I know I want at least eight. <laughs> at least. She's like, she wants like five, five to eight. I want like eight to 12. So we'll see what, what, what we end up uh, at. <laughs> I need a legion of bears. I, <laughs> I want like 80 grandkids. So I want like at least six, if not 10 or 12, but I want them to all have, you know, six to 10 as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the more children we all have, the brighter, the safer the future is for our children because they will have so many allies in this world. And like a lot of us, we woke up um, in the last few years. But now that we woke up, we really have the potential to um, talk about be fruitful, fruitful, uh, be fruitful and multiply on a scale that um, within 20 years not just not even just the number but now the way we're all like we all went through public school now we're all homeschooling these children we're all having a ton of children we're raising them out of debt we're teaching them to value god over materialism when i think about how bright the future can be how optimistic the future is i just have so much hope so much faith so much belief and i know um this community is going to do um you know, just as Jesus said, we will do uh, more incredible things than he ever did. Well, our children will do more incredible things than we ever did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I like it. Owen said at one time is like such a concise, brilliant point, which is just be a better father than yours was. Like be a better parent than your parents were. And just have that reciprocate and continue that. Have a lot of children and be a better parent than your yours was. Even if you had great parents, if you had no parents, if you had crappy, whatever it is, whatever your parents were, just be better than them. And then whoever you are will reciprocate that down the line, you know, and then instill those values in your children to have that same mindset. I'm going to be a better parent than even dad was. Say you're a legend. Say you're crushed. You did everything right. You raised great, healthy, beautiful children. You raised 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that all 10 of them go on out into the world and have that same mindset of, yeah, dad was great. Yeah. I'm so thankful for him. I love him, but I'm going to be better than him. And then have their kids have that same mindset, you know, and imagine a world where that takes place. <laughs> imagine a world in a hundred years from now where like bears have just anyone really, but just, you know, mostly the bear community is just crushing and their next generation is crushing even harder and then that next generation is even crushing harder than that. Like the ripples effect on that is going to be unimaginable. Um, yeah, I have, and I'm full of hope for it. <laughs> Every day I log into like Bear Target Times app or on Instagram or whatever, you know, here, you know, watch Hanging with Bears or watch the Owen streams or whatever. It's just like, you can't not be full of hope. 
you can't not be like excited and energized to go build and crush you know um so yeah i'm glad i found everyone <laughs> i'm glad i found y'all uh in general but um <laughs> yeah said in the chat says homeschoolers don't have weird pronouns so yeah they might be weird but they don't have weird pronouns that's a good point <laughs> um you know, I, I don't even accept the, the premise that homeschoolers are weird. You know, if you think about it, before about 18 months ago, there were probably about five to six million families uh, or children being homeschooled. And now there are over 12 million. And just this past week alone, this past week alone, just out and about in the town, I met three other families who homeschool. And they have a, a total in those three families of, I think, seven children in those three families. And I'm already setting up play dates. And like I said, yeah. you know, if you make socialization a priority, then it's not a problem at all. And my son doesn't go a day in which we're not at parks and he's playing with children. We're not at the church group and he's in a classroom with 18, 20 other children. You know, I'm there and it's fine. No problem with that. Um, they do another class that I take them to on Fridays in which all the children play music together. Um, I'm setting up play dates. I'm all these things, children's birthday parties. So not a day goes by. We're out and about in the town. He's at restaurants. He's three years old. He's placing his own order to waitresses. Um, whenever we... And like, you know, the thing is too, like, and you see this a lot with military families, right? They're a great example. The children in military families are great at making friends because they have to. Every two to three years in their life, they're moved from one state to another, yeah. one country to another. And because of that, they become very good at making friends. Well, my son, about a month and a half ago now, July 25th, we moved to North Carolina. And... We came here and my son didn't know any other children. I take him to parks almost every day. And every day I watch him meet completely new groups of children. And by the end of the time he's at the park, they're all running around with him, laughing, having a blast. I'm talking to the parents. I'm getting their phone number, setting up play dates. So my son is probably better at making friends than I was for the first, I don't know, 30 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah <laughs> well, i was public school you know they had me in the same classroom they had me in a classroom with the same children every day whether i wanted to be around them or not you know uh you're sitting there between concrete walls it's artificial socialization everyone's getting bullied you're not allowed to fight back there's this horrible situation everyone's worried about their body odor and how they smell and you know, <laughs> environment to learn to be social but my son you know he's out in the real world interacting with people every day and he's uh, much more advanced socially like i said at age three than i probably am right now so <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome um yeah i want to talk i want to make sure um we get to this um you so you write books and they're legendary but do you want to tell people about this um, just the books you've written, what they're about, what the, what like, I guess, you know, what's the, what's the goal of it all? Um, 
how, what, what good it's doing <laughs> and then the future of that if you have any future books coming out yeah so I write the Cubs to Bears children's book series which is obviously based off of the bear community right Cubs to Bears and the um, and also the life of Owen Benjamin my last book which is the story I was most excited to tell because I started watching Owen I don't know how long ago it was now um, but I think the first time he was with uh, Molyneux, Stephen Molyneux. And so I, I think it was right when he was being thrown out of Hollywood. And I watched a man who really helped me in my own faith because I watched a man so strong in his morality. And there's something so powerful about that. For people that don't know, I guess this is a bear, right? This is a bear podcast. But anyone who's not um, bear and doesn't know Owen's story he had a very cushy life, right? He was in Hollywood. He would make, I think he says $15,000 in a night at times. And for any of us that operate in the real world, that is just insane money. Insane <laughs> yeah. money to speak for 30 minutes or an hour. Um, but he, you know, he was living a very cushy life in Babylon. And there was a Hollywood producer, I believe. I think his name is Jesse Thorne. I might be. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Jesse Thorne. Thorne. Something Thorne, yeah. Jesse Thorne makes homo porns. But no, Jesse Thorne, um, this is why I'm a writer. <laughs> um, Jesse Thorne um, was about to give his, his child or started giving his child hormone blockers, right? His five-year-old child, he was going to transition quote-unquote, um, chemically castrate this little boy. And Owen took a stand and said, am I the only one that's going to say this is wrong? And he thought people would stand up with him and say, of course, this is horrible. But instead, he saw what these people really were, right? Yeah. He could see their true colors, right? And inside, they're, they're very darkened, their souls. And... Um, Everyone turned on him. Hollywood turned on him, right? Joe Rogan, all these, well, at first, and it was eventually Rogan turned on him. But all of these Hollywood personalities turned on him. And they virtue signaled and said, you know, Owen's the bad man. And his agency, CAA, that was repping him, they said, look, Owen, you know, all you have to do is say, um, you know, you're sorry and you take it back Chris Pratt style. Right. And, um, it'll all go away. Right. You'll be fine. You'll be right. Made man in Hollywood. And Owen said, well, what am I going to do with my soul? And they threw him out of Hollywood and he went from making $15,000 a night to making $15 an hour, cutting down trees back in upstate New York with his brother. And at any time from that point on, he could have recanted and he could have been a, a Hollywood redemption story who saw the light and realized how backward his way of thinking was. And they would have put him up on a pedestal, right? And he never did that. And he got taken in by the conservatives and Owen had his worldview, right? And Owen stood up for certain things. He said, I don't think we ever landed on the moon. And they said, well, you better, you know, you, you don't say that or we're going to throw you out of this group now and again he stood by his convictions and I watched this man time and time again 
um, stand up against that. And for people that don't really understand how impressive that is, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, so what? When you have a family and you have a wife and you have children and they look at you a certain way, like your wife looks at you like, oh, I married this man and he was this Hollywood crusher and he's making $15,000 a night. And now what is he doing? Is he losing his mind? He's throwing away all of our money and now we're in upstate New York and it's cold and he's a social pariah and everyone hates him. He's this terrible human being and he's this racist, bigot, homophobe, white supremacist, psychopath, conspiracy theorist who thinks we landed on the moon and the earth is flat. Right? Right? There's no social status in that. Right? And Owen has to look at his wife and worry about, right? You as a man, you were, is she going to stand by me? By the way, Amy is a phenomenal human being. Yeah. Right? Pressure. <laughs> True pressure. That, that's where the real phrase comes, where behind every great man is a great woman. That is yeah. a great woman, right? Yeah. Because the world, the whole world turned against her husband, yeah. but she never did. And she watched him get put down to what would seemingly be nothing, right? But as it turns out, in the world, in the inverted world of Satan, Owen was actually being elevated into the world of God. Yeah. I watched all of this and it really helped me on my journey. And I just, to me, it's a story that needs to be told. And I'm at the Bataria, uh, building Bataria was released tonight. I watched the first few minutes of it, but I got to watch the rest of it after this. Yeah, no, I started um, the, I, I'm 20 minutes through right now. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And, um, so I really wanted to tell the story and, um, I wrote the first book, Good Bears Always Tell the Truth, in about 12 hours. It just came to me like, you know, divine spark. And the, the whole series, the idea came to my mind. I wrote Good Bears Always Tell the Truth literally in 12 hours. And from there, the next book I wanted to write was Owen's Story. And I sat down. I couldn't write it because um, I put a few lines down. I just like, well, I need to add this. I need to add this. And it was too much for a yeah. children's book. So I was like, all right. I could do this over time when it, when it's ready. Right. Um, so then I was like, all right, scratch that. I have to create a universe. And, um, so the second book I did was the right to bear arms, um, which is kind of self-explanatory. It's a book about bears. (laughs) Charisma cat, um, comes off as this benevolent figure, right? She's this benevolent figure. She just wants to help you. And then the news roosters come in and, Oh my God, there's been, these skunks attacks, the, uh, these skunk attacks and the smell of skunk violence really reeks and the skunks need to give up their stink, right? Um, and the skunks give up their stink and um, then a poor bunny rabbit is attacked and the poor bunny had bear claws across their back and, um, you know, all the animals really, these bears, they should be in a cage and um, the, the mountain lions give up their teeth and the boars give up their horns. And all the animals give up their arms, um, but bears are careful with the choices they choose. And um, the bears um, would not relinquish their claws. They kept them attached to their big, strong bear paws. And at the end of the book, Charisma Cat um, attempts to take over the, uh, the forest. And all of the animals fall one by one, but then she arrives at the den and the bears are ready to fight till the end. And a claw and a bite and one big bear hook 
charisma cat was frightened and shook. <laughs> right? That's awesome. And it's, just, it's about teaching the mechanisms by which the controllers, because charisma cat is the archetypal representation of the people that control the system, right? The money at the top, the government, the politicians, the bankers. She's the archetype of it all. She's the main villain in my series. Um, how they attempt to manipulate to take out a right. So I wrote the right to bear arms. Um, then I wrote the um, the bear from Jekyll Island, which um, is basically based off of the creature from Jekyll Island and the true story of how the bankers, um, the big bankers, the Rockefeller family, the Astor family, uh, the Rothschild family took over the Federal Reserve banking system. And the book is fictional, historical fiction. So basically, the pigs, who are the bankers, the piggy bank, they were aiming to take over, um, were heading out to Jackal Island. And um, Georgia Bear, because this took place in Georgia, was the captain of a taxi boat. He sailed the water and told funny jokes. And he overheard this whole plan, and he went back, and um, he would enlighten generations of bears. He would warn them, hey, just so you know, the, the piggy bank right, is controlled by these pigs. And um, it teaches children about fractional reserve banking, fiat currency, um, and the dangers of debt. So all of the animals take on the debt, right? Um, the worm gets a big home underground. Um, all of the animals, right, they get these big homes. A cow buys this big field so he could just eat grass all day. Um, the lions refuse to leave even after they watch the water recede. Um, my favorite part of that book, by the way, if you go through it, it's The Seven Deadly Sins. Um, but all the animals took on debt except for the bears and um, the bears stayed out of debt and then there was a drought later in the book and the other animals learned what the bears warned about um, so the book is a big warning to stay out of debt so I wrote that book um, then I wrote Operation Mockingbird and the Church Committee which is historical fiction to teach children the congressionally documented history of fake news and with that book um it features red rooster who's really red pill rooster um i reached out to red <laughs> pill rooster. Uh, i reached out to red pill rooster the instagram account and i asked for his blessing he said yes you could use the character um, which i was very excited about because it's cubs to bears um so red rooster um i you know i i tweaked the name just so like he he controls red pill rooster right that's his so just based off of that. Um, so Red Rooster um, was a reporter and he was naive and he meant well. And um, he spe he heard the bears, if, lately if there was a crime, it was a bear every time. So he thought it would only be right to spend his time stalking the bears. And um, so he was stalking the bears um, and he came across Sherlock Bear, who was based off of Shylock Holmes, right? <laughs> and um, he's with um, uh, two handfuls. He, Sherlock Bears, just like Sherlock Holmes, are kind of like Morpheus. And he has the blueberries and the red berries, right? This, uh, <laughs> metaphor. He's red berries. Um, so the next scene um, in the book, it goes to like a police crime scene board. And it shows scenes from the other books. It's like a false flag attack where the rabbit wasn't really attacked by the bear and the, the pig bankers, right? Um, so um, Red Rooster is red-pilled, and he, um, he learns 
how the news media really works. Um, I told this story horribly, by the way. I told the other ones better. But earlier in the book, um, the, new, the other news roosters reported that um, there was a bike thief, right? And it was like this really close-up shot, right? And it's like this guy's stealing a bike. And then later in the, in the book, you see the wide shot, right? So you can see the whole scene. And you see um, he wasn't a bike thief. He was a bike returner, right? Which is Bowler Bear. <laughs> Shout out Bowler Bear. <laughs> and um, so I did that one, and then that set the universe that I needed to create um, a free speech, social media censorship, and the First Amendment. And that's the book um, based off of the true story of Owen Benjamin. Um, yeah. That book it starts out with. Um, stand up bear well it starts out with charisma cat and she started the saving puppy center and um, she said it was going to be so great and she would let all these animals adopt but of course what she was really doing was letting coyotes adopt um, puppies and kittens and so owen comes on stage at the improv right in the book and um he's like uh how could animals be such dupes coyotes just want piglet soups you know the animals <laughs> backing up like but the next day, um, the Roosters reported that stand-up bear is a loser. And <laughs> he can't do stand-up comedy anymore. So he's um, banned from doing stand-up comedy. But no despair. He takes his message to Twitter. But then the Roosters report that he's anti-bird. And no longer can he send such insensitive tweets. So um, he, he wasn't deterred. He put his face on the front of a book, right, Facebook. Um, but then the trolls come in and they put up red flags and the animals, the naive animals cheered as his Facebook's burned. Um, so then he took his message to the me and YouTube, um, <laughs> to the me and YouTube, but the roosters reported that he was spewing hate speech and he was banned from that. Um, and it just goes through the whole story of how he's banned and it's really designed to allow children and their parents to have an open conversation about what social media censorship means what the yeah. first amendment is and um i kind of kept it as an open book right because it's not that clear right should there be censorship should there not be well how was what happened in this book and um yeah that's the universe i created so i'm sure you're sick of my horribly long answer and no, uh <laughs> not at all <laughs> no not at all i guess book coming out well it's amazing and like you collab with people to make it like a video as well right yeah, so um, Anchor Bear is the official narrator of the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, shout Bones. out Anchor Bear. Legend. And, you know, everything that guy touches just turns to gold. <laughs> yeah. In my humble opinion, Anchor Bear is the greatest musical artist in the world today. <laughs> yeah. And just an all-around great dude, too, behind the scenes. Great guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's something. He's... He wouldn't even let me pay him on the last one. And I was like, how can I pay you? And he wouldn't tell me. And he said. <laughs> it sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love Wizard Slayer Bear in the chat says, teaching kids about the Rothschilds is a baller move. <laughs> and then also says, we cannot let this man fail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, keep crushing, please. <laughs> yeah, well. Because that really is amazing. Want if you really want to support me sign up for homeschools connected because that is 
that is the avenue through which I can really make a difference in the world. And I'm doing some good things right now. And God willing, if I'm able to take it to a certain point, I know I can do some things with it that could get, could start to get really cool. Um, so that's, you know, I'm building it and everything in life is baby steps. And I started with my company, classical learner doing consultations. Then I started writing children's books. Now I built this platform and I know where it can go. And even if someone's out there that doesn't have children, in my opinion, I, it is something that is worth getting behind. And um, I mean that from the bottom of my heart and deep into my soul. So um, I'll never stop fighting for what is right. It's my life's work and um, God willing, I will do things with the field of education that can really make a, a dent in the world. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that is amazing. And then direct.me slash classical learner. Is that a good place to send people if they want to buy the books? So direct.me um, slash classical learner is uh, really something more the bears should be familiar with. Direct.me is a cool platform. So basically, I signed up for direct.me. And what it allows me to do is everything that, you know, is under the classical learner purview, like all my books are linked there. My website is linked there. Um, Homeschools Connected is linked there. My Instagram account, um, YouTube, Twitter. So if someone goes to direct.me, they can find all of my stuff. Um, So it's a really cool platform. And it's something that just in the bear community, spread the word. Um, it's something more of us should use because it's very, it's been very beneficial to me. Yeah. yeah that's great. I saw, and I'm, Linktree is another one that I was using for a while, but I actually have like my own website that kind of has everything on it. But yeah, I like those where it just funnels everything into one <laughs> easy to access place. That's so handy for everyone. Yeah. To use everyone that's making content or producing something of value. Um, yeah, again, direct.me slash classical learner <laughs> for everyone watching and listening. Um, and just some final questions here, and then we'll start to wrap up. Um, but um, so two-part question. I'm going to start asking everyone that comes on the show. and Because you've already answered this, basically, but I just want to get like the kind of final answer of what are you doing to make the world a better place, and how are we going to fix the mess? Yeah, well, to start, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and the number one way we can make the world a better place is follow God, get married, you honor God through honoring your spouse every day of your life. When it's hard, and sometimes it's hard. I don't pretend to have a perfect marriage. Um, There's times where I'm frustrated, there's times where I'm stressed, there's times where we argue, um, but I am devoutly committed to my wife and she sees that every day and I see that from her. And because of that, we have the highest level of respect for each other and we honor one another. And then from there, we have had two children so far and God willing, we'll have many more. And every day of my life, I try to be, and again, I'm a very flawed person. I'm not always perfect but I try to be the best father that I can be. And every day when I wake up in the morning, I say to myself, 
I'm going to be a great husband. I'm going to be a great father today. And I do my best to try to bring that into fruition. And some days I'm better than others, but that's how we make the world better. And from there, it's really everything you and I have touched upon in this conversation. You follow God, you put family first, you build community, you homeschool your children, you grow your food, you all of these things that center around um, what I think America was, why I, I still believe, I've wavered back and forth in this, but I still do believe America is the greatest country in the history of the world because it was founded on rugged individualism centered around Christian community. Yeah. And the more we get back to that, which is really, there's many ways you could phrase that, right? The bears, it's, it's personal responsibility centered around God's morality, right? It's very a very similar thing. The more we get back to that, um, that's how we go strong, grow stronger. Um, even to the point of, um, from the legal side of starting to learn our rights and learning how to assert them so that we can protect ourselves when Babylon actually does come knocking on our door. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you have any questions for me? Um, when are you going to start having those babies, man? <laughs> Getting on it. Getting on it, yeah. Um, uh, right now, trying to work on finishing getting out of debt. Hopefully, I'm out of debt in, like, January, and then getting married, hopefully next year, if, if God willing, hopefully next year, early, and then, um, yeah, on to making as many babies as possible. I want, again, I want, like, 8 to 10, if not 12, and then after that, uh, I'm, I just want to adopt, too. I want to, like, adopt, um, maybe even become, like, a foster parent. Um, plan is to get like a big homestead, grow a bunch of food and almost turn that into like a ministry opportunity um, with like people in the community. Like if there's like troubled youths that need a good mentor and a role model, you know, hey, come on, help me out at the farm. <laughs> I'll give you free food and I'll teach you valuable skills. Um, and then I think long term, I want to do like landscape hardscape company, which still will be used as like a ministry opportunity, employ kids that need you know, a good father figure in their life and a good role model in their life. And yeah, <laughs> my girlfriend's all about adoption. She was adopted, so she really wants to do that. I've always wanted to do that as well. But first and foremost, you got to pump out our own babies, our own Christian white babies and uh, <laughs> get a bunch of them out, out there in the world and then have them have a bunch of babies. And, you know, by the time I die, I want to I wanna be looking out of my porch on my homestead at a small city or a small army's worth of my offspring. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to be getting on that. Wait, 20 years from now when we're at a bear meetup with you and your 15 children. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Bookmark that. Cause it will happen. <laughs> we'll be at a bear. We'll be at the Appalachia bear meetup, uh, <laughs> you know, in the Smokies of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll, we'll both have our 15 children hanging out with each other. You know, I don't know if it'll be 20 years from now, but I think mostly I don't see it happening for me in the near future. But I, I very much would like at one point in my life to make my pilgrimage to Idaho. Yeah. Permanently or just uh just uh, visit. just to visit 
Yeah. I have a very deep connection to Bertaria. It's made a profound impact on my life. And um, I'm, I'm proud of our community. And I think we've built something that is worth fighting for. It's worth defending. It's worth spreading. And um, it's, it's just something I'm very um, honored to be a part of. And I would um, one day, I, you know, I don't think it will happen too in the near future for me because um, I have so many responsibilities around here. You never know. Maybe it will. But um, yeah. I know one day I'd like to get there and just uh, I'd like to meet Owen face to face and so many of the bears. And um, I'm very blessed. I'm very thankful to be a part of this community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. This has been amazing. Overall, it's amazing. Yeah, this has been amazing tonight. <laughs> One last time, do you want to give everyone um, just where they can find you, follow you, all the plugs, all the shout-outs? Yeah, just classicallearner.com. You'll find my stuff. I, uh, I'm i pretty active on Instagram and uh, TikTok. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, TikTok, TikTok's getting to the point where it's getting a little weird for me. I've never... <laughs> Yeah. I uh, I was one of the families I met in town this week. Uh, they they approached me and they were like, "Are you that guy from TikTok?" <laughs> I was like, yeah. "Me?" I was like, "Yeah, I guess." So. Yeah, I'm kind of weary about it. Yeah, I've had a couple posts blow up, and that's like good and bad because you get a lot of eyeballs on you, but there's a lot of like just really degenerate, <laughs> really satanic forces on that thing, you know, no, and they no, come no. after you. But it's good and bad. There's a lot of beauty on there, too. Like, if you kind of manipulate the algorithms and you're following the right people and hitting like on the right pages, like, the algorithms actually are pretty good. And I've met a lot of really good people on there, but there's also just so much negativity and so much sin, you know? It's no, like, you got to no, be careful with it. how to get rid of that. You can get rid of it. Um, so when the videos come up on TikTok, hold your finger on the screen for a few seconds and a little pop-up box comes up. And then on the bottom of that pop-up box, uh, pop box, you hit not interested. Oh, really? So I started doing that with all of the degeneracy-type videos that came up, and TikTok's great. It actually adjusted my algorithm. I don't get any of, like, the girls dancing or anything like that anymore. Nice, yeah. It, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I just block them, but then that just doesn't stop the onslaught, you know? It, you could That's fix it. Up so you could fix your own algorithm. That's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for telling me and everyone out there. Yeah. Um, it's still better than like Instagram's really bad about that too. Um, well, I'll, I'll, Twitter. I'll, I mean, like, Twitter, I'll Twitter's just no, it's not when less I first visual. Got TikTok, when I first got on TikTok, I was like, this is like problematic because I just, I don't look at porn. I even like on Instagram, any girls that post anything even remotely scandalous, sorry ladies, nothing against you, but I'm not following you. Right. And then I go on this app and like every video that comes up is like this freaking 19 year old girl gyrating. And you know, <laughs> it's hard yeah. for a man. Yeah. Um, but then luckily I was able to figure out how to do the not interested thing and I completely gone. I was so happy. That's awesome, man. I have to do that. But yeah, still, I mean, the algorithms are pretty good. The more you just like homestead videos and Bible, you know, Christians posting like Bible inspirational stuff, the more it actually pops up. <laughs> Other apps you do that on, like Twitter and Instagram, it still will just bombard you with the, the degeneracy. But 
Yeah, yeah, TikTok. It's where the it's where the eyeballs are. You know, the big problem with TikTok is people's attention span. I think it's making people's attention span sh- smaller and shorter, and just in general, people that have those short attention spans are on there. So if you're not packing something in to like a really good thirty seconds or one minute, like people are on to the next. You know, and then I've tried doing live like. Like I've tried going live on there and people just, they come in, they watch you for 10 seconds and they leave. They come in. So you'll get a bunch of people coming into your live stream, but they're all tuning in for 30 seconds and leaving. Whereas like Instagram, at least people will tune into your live stream, stay for 30 minutes and then leave when they have to. Um, or like D live, you know, we have like people here that are just here watching the whole thing for an hour and a half, you know, cause they're actually interested in the content. But yeah, I think that that danger long term of TikTok is uh, making people's attention span a little <laughs> smaller and weaker. But as of now, it's where people's attention is, so it's smart to be on there for sure. Yeah, ironically for me, I found out that people want to hear me talk for about one minute. Yeah. You know, my problem before was <laughs> talk too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one gonna... minute, like, at one minute thirty seconds, like shut this guy yeah. up. <laughs> I don't know. We've had a good show in here tonight. We've had at least like ten people here the whole time, so <laughs> and we'll have we'll have a couple hundred, probably two two to five hundred, depending on how many people want to hear you uh, and the replays. Um, but awesome, man! Thank you. My last question is always: Did you have fun? I had a blast, man. When we do- <laughs> you said what? When are we doing this again? Soon. Yeah, I'd love to have you back on. Absolutely. <laughs> I loved it, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, I got my fireside chat going here, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, said 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 if a Kansas bear says thank you. Uh said child labor is based labor. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And O sevens in the chat. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And uh yeah, have a great night, man. All right, brother. God bless. <laughs>